Welcome to KISS, where we invite you into a simpler way of thinking. See, we're going to talk about strategies and theories, but what most businesses miss is the simple, consistent daily actions. When we go into a business, no matter if it's a larger business or a startup, a lot of those hangups are all the same, and it's also the same ones that we made too. So we thought, you know what, even though, you know, there's lots of different types of programs out there and they're all great. We wanted something that was clear cut and was simple to be able to follow, to be able to help people simplify their own business. All right. We're back for another episode of KISS. Keep it simple. Silly, right? Are we saying silly or are we saying stupid? I like to say no, you can say whatever you want. Just oh, keep it simple, stupid. stupid. <laughs> All right, that's good. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about it's more about business structure, but specifically the difference between your personal and your business. And I know we were discussing a little bit before we started recording, just there's there's kind of two ways to look at this. Um, you know, there is, you know, your structure, your finances, et cetera, that you need to run completely separate as far as your personal finances and your business, you know, finances. But then there's also the other side to say, okay, well, you know, to be able to appropriately run your business in such a way that it's authentic and Mm -hmm. real, you know, there's no way to completely separate your life, you know, business and personal. And I know you probably have a lot to say on this, right, Jen? <laughs> I do, I do. It's been a passion of mine uh, because, and I'm sure the people listening, they've at some point in time they've either worked at a job or they've, I'm shoot, there's it's in the movies, it's in the like. I mean, you can hear this pervade, pervasive. <laughs> I would call it almost a false narrative of the fact that people sit there and they say it's nothing personal, it's just business. You know, and in the mob movies, it's like somebody's ending somebody's life or something along those lines in extreme. Obviously, in real life, it's that's not a, that's not what we're dealing with. But you get fired from a job. And sometimes the first thing that you hear your boss say is, like, sorry, it's nothing personal. It's just business. Uh, but it is personal. Right. I mean, like we live in a world where business is personal. I mean, like it is definitely the emotions that carry along with whether all of the Oh my goodness, there's just so much here because you have an emotional connection. You have a relationship, which is personal. So as you look at your life and look at your the how to separate out things, yes, we need to separate out some stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about because we always talk about, we want to make sure that we know what to do and then how do you do it? We always want to make sure that we include that. But then this, this kind of this gray area, I do not want us to sit here or I don't want somebody to walk away from this and say, well, Yes. Okay. I have to have a completely separate business life compared to a personal life because what impacts your personal is also going to impact your business and vice versa. It's just going to happen that way. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think at the beginning, let's go ahead and talk about just the finances and structure and stuff like that. That way, Let's define what needs to be separated first, and then we'll talk about what, what we should not. So we don't have the pendulum swinging too far one way or the other. Perfect. I love it. I know for me, the first couple of things I always tell people to do is to, you know, um, incorporate their business. Um, I have always done an LLC first. I don't know what you've done, yes. but I've always done an LLC yep. um, just because it's simple, straightforward. Yep. Uh, you know, it's uh, to me, there wasn't a whole lot of, 
you know, legal terminology that I needed to understand right. to be able to do it. Right, exactly. It's fairly simple to be able to set up an LLC. Now, the problem or the challenge, and this is, uh, frankly, this is what I run into. When I first started setting up an LLC, I still got confused by the terminology. I still got confused because I had to go on for, I live in Michigan, so I have to go to Michigan.gov site. And I'm sure it's the case with many individuals. I mean, you may be an exceptional rock star. I don't know what you do, but what if you fill in the blank, you're really, really good at what you do. And you just don't want to deal with the government part of it. You don't want to deal with the LLC. You don't understand some of the terminology and things. And so while we're saying that it's simple, it is actually pretty simple. But I understand because I was there, it, I get confused by it, just to be quite frank. I really do. And even to this day, it's still not part of the things that I absolutely love to do. But you have to learn. You have to grow enough to be able to understand that you've got to have an LLC set up. You've got to have an entity set up. It's really, really important. Well, there's a lot of reasons why it's important, Marie. I know we're going to talk about some of those reasons, but it's really important to have a separation between your personal liability and your business liability. Absolutely. Well, I know I'm in Ohio. So for me, I just had to go to Secretary of State and filling out all the LLC, you know, paperwork was was easy. And then I went to the IRS and got my EIN, which was also easy. Now, when you start talking about figuring out what filings you have to do and all of that, that's where Maria's brain checks out and my account has to check <laughs> in to keep me like legal all the places because that is where my brain is like, and eh, now we got nothing. I, so, and I think there's a lot of people out there, unless you, you know, if you, unless you're in like a, the world where you've had to deal with that type of stuff a lot, that the tax, once you have to figure out, okay, I have withholding, I have this, I have this, I have this, yep. all those things, that is where I start to get overwhelmed. So I, I think that maybe there's a couple of really cool uh, little assets or tools. And then this is, this is local to where you're at. So whichever state you're in, uh, 90% of the places that I have been in, there's a few exceptions, like really backwoods where you have to deliver your mail with a yak kind of a thing. But most of the places are available and there's resources that you can go and you can find. So your SBA, that's a number one resource that you can go to be able to get information on how to set up an LLC, uh, how to do corporations or whatever else that you're working on, your SBA, your local SBA office will be able to help you out. And then secondly, and this is probably the better one, is an organization called SCORE. And it's all caps, S-C-O-R-E. These are free ways to be able to get the information. If you are in a situation where like, look, I know I need to set up an LLC, but I hate it. I don't know where to even start. Start there. There are people that volunteer their time. They give away their time to be able to help you get set up to be able to run and set up your LLC. So it it's, there's really no excuse. Let's just put it this way. There's really no excuse to, to not set up the LLC. There's Absolutely. plenty of reasons why you can say that, but it really, at the end of the day, there are enough people out there that can help you. There's enough information online. Back when I first started business, we didn't have the webs, right? <laughs> I had, we had to kind of figure this stuff out on our own, but now you've got YouTube channels and educational channels that you can go to be able to find this stuff. But there really is no excuse. So let's answer this question, Maria. Why Why is it so important to set up an LLC? Liability, number one. Um, to separate that, and that was my biggest thing, is I wanted to be able to separate my personal assets away from my business assets because, I, well, number one, I have a family, right? So anything that goes on in my business, if, if I, there's not like a line drawn in the sand to say, okay, well, you know, 
Maria's business is Maria's business and Maria's home life is Maria's home life, then it all kind of gets intertwined together and you know, it's a lot more risks. So for me, it was that ability to be able to separate it, to say, you know, that's a definite definitive line in the sand that, you know, Maria's business is Maria's business, Maria's personal. And that's to say, I yeah, my own multiple businesses at this point, they all have their own separate entity own separate EIN, their own separate, tax liabilities and all that kind of stuff, of course, and then um, their own business banking accounts. Because that's another thing I see people using their personal bank accounts for yep. business, which is a no-go. You know, you want to set up a business banking account and then set up a personal account to where, depending on how your structure is set up, if you're an S-Corp, which that's, I know we're not talking about it, though, but if you're S-Corp, you can pay yourself W-2. But if you're an LLC, you have to pay yourself on an owner payout. So, and, and, and that's something that a lot of people, again, don't understand, you know, at the very beginning of business ownership, but, you know, it's just, uh, I didn't understand at the very beginning. I was so confused. I had no idea. My accountant was like, no, this is how you need, because I'm like, why well, do you pay myself W2? He's like, you can't. You can't. <laughs> like, why not? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the thing is, is the liability. Everybody looks at this. Oh, maybe not especially men, but I would say especially the entrepreneurs because we're all optimists, right? When we look at a yeah. business, it's like, for sure, it's going to go great. Everybody's going to love me. We're not going to have any issues. And eventually situations come up and sometimes it's no fault of your own. You know, a person walks in with snow on their feet and they slip on your doorstep and crack their head open. And now when they when the insurance company, sometimes it's not even the person that got hurt, the insurance company that represents that individual will come back after the business owner. And if you do not have an LLC, they can literally take all of your personal assets as well. And that's why the separation is so important is because it's not just a liability uh, issue for the business aspect. It's a liability issue where they could take your home, your house, your I mean, like all of these different things that you own and have that protect your family. You have to have a separation in that. Because that's what the liability really, that's the separation of the liability. And I, I mean, I kind of, it's funny because I've been in partnerships. I've been in different situations where um, the partner either bugged out, just didn't pay or something happened. And uh, we ended up owing quite a bit of money to a, a vendor. Well, it was like a contract. And we had to breach the contract because of some things that had happened. And obviously the business went out. If, if we would not have had an LLC and because we had to breach the contract, that company could have come after me personally for the balance of whatever that contract was. Oh, and yeah. they could have come. I mean, they were talking thousands of dollars. They could have come after me personally for, but because of the LLC, they, they couldn't, the business went bankrupt, the business disappeared. And therefore the contract that we had, we, they didn't have anything to stand on because of the fact that they were not fulfilling any longer. So it, it's really, really important for the liability standpoint. I actually like that you mentioned partnerships because I know that was another thing that we were going to kind of mention. And I think we yeah. can kind of segue into that. And as far as <laughs> like just kind of cleaning up the LLC, S Corp taxes, all the things, I always recommend reaching out to, you know, professionals, you know, reach out to a CPA, ask your attorney. I know you think you're saving money by doing all the things yourself, but trust me, I can tell you horror stories where that's a lot of times not the case. If you are not sure, you're better off just calling and asking somebody. But Let's go ahead and kind of pivot over and talk about, you know, partnerships, because again, trying to look at this business world and personal world, a lot of us get involved into partnerships, um, usually because of personal relationships, primarily, yep. I think. Yep. Friends or family, it's typically yeah. the number one way we step into a partnership. Which can be um, 
a blessing and a curse sometimes, right? Because if the partnership <laughs> blows up, I mean, how do you get away from them at that point? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I, I, you've got people that fall on both sides of this thing. I have seen, yeah. uh, in fact, uh, one of the guys that I was coaching, uh, they run a service business, Brett and Ryan, and they have been best friends for years. I mean, we're talking decades, actually, and they've gone through a lot of stuff together. But their business is now currently blowing up. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars in gross revenue kind of a situation. They started from scratch. They're building things out. And their partnership has done really, really well. On the reverse side of things, the flip the coin side of things, I've seen where families have gone into a partnership and it's literally destroyed the family. Where the brothers are no longer, brothers, sisters, siblings are no longer talking to each other. Moms and dads aren't talking to kids. Like there's a definite divide and so that's that's led me to the question of why why can one group, one friend group, one family group have a successful business? In fact, we've got a local company here. They are now in their third generation. They've passed the business from one generation to the next generation. Do you realize, and I don't maybe most people, most people don't realize, only 12% of the businesses will ever survive a second generation. That's a small amount. So if a business passes from one generation to the next, only 12% of those will survive. That's insane. I'm actually impressed that they have their children interested in doing anything. I can't even talk. I can't even beg <laughs> my kids to care. Because it's, it's kind of like one of those things, like, you know, you start to look at what's going to happen when I don't want to do this anymore, right? What's, yeah. what's going to happen? My kids aren't interested. So it's just going to end up being like employees or something like that because right. my kids have no interest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, we run into this all the time. I know I had a friend of mine who runs a uh, tile. Uh, no, it's a tub refurnishing businesses. And he's like, man, I'd love to be able to pass this on to my kid. And his kids have zero interest in it. Like they have no desire. Um, he's making good money. I mean, we're hundreds of thousands of dollars that he's making and he, none of the kids are interested in it. So it's, it's interesting. So let's go back to this whole idea of this partnership. Yes, I've seen partnerships at work. And yes, I've seen partnerships that have failed, both in friend groups and family groups. I've seen both things go out. But I, I believe, and I've come to this conclusion, and this is not you know, conclusive, obviously there's other things, but I've come to this conclusion that there are a few things that have to be in place in a partnership in order for that partnership to work. And yes, there's agreements, there's S-Corps and all of the other legal jargon, but at the end of the day, I think it's these three things that are absolutely critical when you step into a partnership. Two of them seem obvious. One is kind of like, really? That's I don't think I've ever thought of that before. So the first two are, number one, is there has to be a clear job description for each of the partners. Very clear job description. What is it that you are going to do on a daily basis? Like, what are the roles and the responsibilities? And that has to be crystal clear. It's not just like, well, he's a marketing guy. Well, what does that mean? Well, he kind of runs sales. Uh, he also kind of goes back into manufacturing, makes sure we've got product and making sure that it's being like, that's not all, that's not part of the marketing, right? You have to have a very clear description of what it is that you're going to do. Obviously, this talks about business structure and dividing your structure down into production, admin, marketing, and sales, kind of those are the four main buckets. But you also want to look at it and say, okay, specifically, Joe Schmo, I'm going into partnership with Joe Schmo. Joe is going to take over production and he's going to manage the production and we're going to put out the job description on that. You've got to be very clear on the job description. That's number one. Number two is expectations. So this seems like it's similar to the job description, but it's different. Here's why. One partner could step in and say, 
look, I am going to set my own hours and I'm going to work from 12 p.m. till 9 p.m. And that's going to be my that's going to be my hours where the other partner is a morning bird. And they come in like, no, we got to be here bright and early 6 a.m. We're going to work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Like, OK, you've got to have those expectations on your scheduling. Got to have the expectations on pay structures. You got to have expectations on what are all of the pieces that are going to come together and you got to talk about it. I mean, you really have to talk about it. What is going to be your culture like? How Who's going to do the hiring? What's going to happen when, when you get fired? This expectation level is often skipped. So job description is pretty common. We hear talk about that all the time. But those expectations of how to hold the hours, how to network, who's going to do the networking, who's going to be the face of the person, like the face of the business, all of those things have to be crafted inside of those expectations. I don't. I, I want to pause on the third one, but because the third one's a big bomb. But Maria, do you have any thoughts or points? I'm laughing only. Like I'm kind of smirking because it, it always. I always explain it to people that it's literally like entering into a marriage. Yeah, it is because it, it really is, and I think not enough people look at it like that. They just like, oh, we're just going to be business partners. Let me so fun. But it is literally like entering into a marriage. And for anybody out there that's listening, that's married. I'm sure you've had your ups and downs and times where you're like, what the heck? Because you take two separate people with two separate mindsets, thoughts, mm-hmm. hopes, dreams, and everything and shove them into one household and everybody's arguing over what drawer the socks go in and who does this and who does that. And it's the same thing within the business partnership is it takes a while to figure it out. And I think that the best thing to do, just like with a, a marriage, would be to do a lot of times couples counseling before you get married. I did not do that. I've also been divorced once, almost twice. So, (laughs) you know, it's kind of one of those things that looking back, the people that I know that did do that, not that it fixes all the problems because I don't think it does, but it at least sets some expectations. It at least allows people to talk about things that usually doesn't come up right away when you're in that early honeymoon phase where nothing they do annoys you. And then, you know, you hit like year five, 10, whatever, just them chewing their food normally besides you makes you want to scream. And it's the same thing with a business partnership. You're there going, you know, early on, you're both excited. It's a brand new business. So, you know, it's, it's new and fun and exciting. And then that can go south quickly if you don't have those things in place. Yeah, the uh, it's interesting, too, because some of the things that attracted you to have that person in your partnership or marriage are the exact same things that you get really irritated about, too, because, yep. you, I, I mean, it's, it's so common, especially in partnerships. You're like, well, I hate finances. I don't want to deal with the books, so I'm going to bring in so-and-so who's really good at finances. Well, what makes him really good at finances is all the details. So the guy that's doing the finances goes back to the visionary guy who doesn't like the details and says, well, you have to keep track of your expenses. What do you mean I gotta keep track of my expenses? Well, I mean, like just 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 take care of it. I mean, like just take care. It's like, no, I mean, like that's the differences of personalities too. And people that are really good at sharing details or understanding details versus those that are big picture kind of ideas. And again, there's nothing wrong. It's just you have to understand that in a partnership, you're gonna have those two things. Absolutely. You're gonna have differences. So understanding personalities, understanding skills, understanding talent, that's all part of that expectation component. So the last one, and this is really, really important because nobody does this. If you're going to maintain either your friendship or uh, even a good relationship with that individual that you're going into a partnership with, you have to have an exit clause. Yes. You have to have an exit clause. In other words, what happens if this thing falls apart? How are you going to dismantle the company, step away from the partnership, work through? Like, how is that? You lay that out ahead of time 
in a partnership and it will save nine times out of 10, not always, but nine times out of 10, it will save the relationship. So whether you're in a family relationship or a friendship relationship, if you have a clear cut step where either partner at any time can exercise that step, whether it's an evaluation by a third party, uh, you know, a buyout, uh, stepping away, whatever it is, how are you going to exit that partnership? How are you going to be able to step away from that? Now, are there going to be hurt feelings? Absolutely. There are, there are going to definitely have some situations where you're not going to feel good about it, but the unresolved anger and other parts can be put aside and you can preserve that relationship due to the fact that you've got that exit strategy. I, I love that. And I have actually never worked with anybody that are partners that have had that. And I think that that is a key point on not only if things go wrong and you do want to exit, obviously, but also I think it's a security blanket of sorts too, that you don't feel like you're trapped. You know what I mean? There's, yes, there's yes, not, yes, yeah, yes. It's, 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 it's kind of like, okay, what's an insurance policy? Well, I'm going into this. Here's the expectations, what we're each going to do. We have all the plans lined out, but there's not this like hovering question of what if, because you know what if, you yeah. know, if it doesn't work out the way either of you thought, and here's you what's going to happen. Well, and sometimes you feel like you get trapped into it, right? I mean, like that's the yeah. biggest thing is some people feel trapped into it. And then that trap causes your anxiety to build, your worry to build. Your, I mean, like there's so many things that start to build. And then all of a sudden it just blows up and you look at your partner. You're like, where did that come from? Well, it's because they had that trapped feeling, right? So anyway, partnerships are awesome. And I have seen them, I've seen people do incredible things with partnerships where they pull a certain set of talents. And I don't want people to be afraid of doing a partnership. It's, I actually had, um, there's a guy that his name is Dale Partridge and he wrote a book. Uh, and he actually worked with uh, several companies. It was Sevenly, did millions of dollars. And he came to the conclusion that he will never, ever be in a partnership. And I, I thought I saw that and I understand where he's coming from because of the way that the partnerships were struggled and some of the challenges that he ran into. Um, and I get it, but I think that there's a way to be able to. I just I just want to say who hurt you, sir? Who hurt you? Because there's yes, a story yes. behind that. Yes. Oh, I, I also asked, I, there was a hot moment where I said that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. and I know why I said that, because I got out of a bad decision on a bad yep. idea to, to do business with somebody and i was like never again never again right, so, right. And i'd say this person that said that there's, there's right. a story there's a story there no there 100 is and here's the thing and this and so i'm going to just reference tony grubmeyer who's a really good friend of mine he's taught me so much about business he he, he uses his illustration of a dumpster and he says so often in our past relationships we put this relationship in the dumpster and then any time that we step into a new relationship, we're constantly pushing this dumpster forward. I mean, we're talking tons and tons and tons of weight. And every time we push forward to try to enter into a new relationship, we're pushing that dumpster in front of us. And so we have to get through all of that trash, all of that crap before we can actually hit that authentic relationship. Right. And that's kind of what's going on is that carrying that relationship forward. So, yes, partnerships are good. Partnerships are possible. Yes, they have to have framework. Yes, they have to have accountability. They've got to have boundaries and you got to set priorities. But starting out with that agreement, job description, expectations, and an exit plan, those three things will give you a step up in any partnership, just putting that agreement together and making sure everybody understands that agreement. Absolutely. I, I do want to kind of pivot again and kind of talk about we said at the beginning that there's times where you want to keep business and personal separate and there's times that you want to 
realize that they can't be separated or they shouldn't be separated. Right. And I know you kind of briefly touched on that when you were talking about, you know, sometimes somebody will like a boss will bring you in and say, oh, it's nothing personal, yeah. you know, but I want to kind of dive into that a little deeper on, you know, why when we're, when we're running our business, when we're, you know, um, dealing with employees or clients or, you know, whatnot, why it's so important to realize that there, there's actually no real way to separate your business world and your personal world on the front end. While it's important to do it, you know, underneath for structure and stability and financials right. and legalities on the front end, it's a terrible idea to even try to do that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And I think it, it's going to bring up this one word, uh, which is relationships. And when we look at how we do life and network and community, frankly, you know, one of the catchphrases that we hear in companies all the time is, did you, are you building your culture? What's your culture like? And we also look back on many different studies and people stay not because of money, but they stay because of culture or yeah. they leave not because of money, but they leave because of a bad manager or because of a bad relationship. Right. And so we've seen studies all across the board, many, many different individuals that have done these types of studies very well, renowned, you know, Harvard University type studies, things like that. But um, that that's where I'm, uh, it, it blows me away that we talk about this business structure. And yes, we have to separate some of the business. But at the end of the day, we can't separate out the relationship. And I, I've seen it happen so many times where and I have to be careful on some of these stories that I give because they are personal stories and they're people that I've, I'm really good friends with or have had past contact with, but there are inevitably, and I'm sure you guys have done this where one of your coworkers or your boss or your manager is going through a divorce and it happens. And I can promise you that as that is happening, the way that they're acting at work is different than how they acted previously. Because their stress level in their marriage, the stress level, what's going on, whether it's the kids or whatever's going on, that stress level has kicked up tenfold, hundredfold, and they're bringing that stress into work. So there's no way in the world that you can tell me that your family life does not impact your work life. Now, switch that around, right? So your business is not doing well. You don't have any income coming in um, or you're getting sued or there's liability. Something else happened. Uh, you had a death of a coworker like that has happened. That translates over into your family and over into your personal life because the weight of that also then has impact on your family. So it is impossible to separate out 100% all of your personal feelings, all of your personal life from your business aspect. It just does not happen. And to sit, somebody to sit there across the table, if they have to let you go and to say, sorry, it's nothing personal. It's just business. I mean, that's just like taking a knife and driving it into your heart. It's like a stake right through the eyeball kind of a thing. Right. Absolutely. I mean, how bad I, I, it's just awful. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, I was just going to say, I mean, obviously as a business owner, there are times where letting somebody go you have to for a bunch of reasons. It's the right move for the business, right move for usually the right move for the business and for the person that you're having to let go. But there's still like I have had to fire people and it's never been something that I didn't feel deeply. I hated every second of it. Even when I knew it was the right thing to do. Yeah. I hated every second of it. And yeah. I never want to not hate it. I never want to not feel bad. Right. that it's happening, even when I know that it's the right thing to happen, because I think, you know, one of the reasons that I got into owning my business 
in the first place was the fact that when I stepped out of corporate, I stepped out of corporate because it was cold. It was this idea that you had to be a robot, that you couldn't, you know, have pretty much you couldn't have family because you had to give up your whole family life to be able to, you know, sell your soul to corporate. And it just, you know, that that I never wanted to be that. So, you know, I think a lot of business owners out there, a lot of them that I've talked to have that same story where it's like they came from corporate. They didn't like that aspect of that cold, you know, aspect of it, that it wasn't a personal, you know, relationship with their employees. And, you know, I always hate when I see them accidentally stepping into making those same mistakes because, you know, business ownership is hard. It is. Yeah. And there's times you do have to fire people. Yeah. Yeah. You have to let them go, unfortunately. And that's just part of a life uh, that we live in is there's sometimes either the individual is not performing up to the level, their skill set or talents are not there. Um, Sometimes it's definitely a a business going downhill or you're not making as much profit or, man, there's a thousand reasons why people may not be able to stay at the job. The point is we should be celebrating that individual, not demeaning and driving down their confidence. We should never attempt to fire or we should never allow ourselves to get to the point where when we fire somebody, we're insulting them and trying to destroy their self-confidence. That is not okay. That is totally not okay. So we look at it and um, I I referred to Dale Partridge earlier uh, with his company, Sevenly, but he wrote a book. It was called People Over Profit. And the whole point of that was how he built a culture inside of Sevenly and what they did. When either A, somebody decided to move on to another job where they left of their own free will, or B, if they had to let somebody go, is they would actually celebrate that day, appreciate that individual for all of the effort and everything that they had put in up until that point. And you can always find something good, right? You can always find something that that employee did well, celebrated that, and then gave them references and gave them uh, other positions or tried to use their own network to be able to find another position. They did not just go ahead. Sorry, you're out on your own firing you tough luck, you know, maybe better luck next time kind of a thing. No, they celebrated that moment. They celebrated okay. in the aspect of what they did well. And then they helped that individual go to the next level. And whether it was a growth step or like, look, we're just not a good fit here because this your skill set doesn't fit with what we need right now. Something along those lines. I mean, like it could be anything, but doing it in a positive celebration type manner will change the way that you can step into this. Business is personal. <laughs> That's one of the Absolutely. things that you can do. Absolutely. And I know that we, we've, we've kind of touched on a lot of things. So I kind of want to like tie it back in to kind of maybe let's give a quick rundown of, okay, here's the times where business needs to be business yeah and here's the times where business and personal need to overlap so let's kind yeah. of run down that because i know we're ending that getting near the end of our time now so i wanted to kind of give people kind of a quick recap because we have talked about a lot of right. information right <laughs> right right and i i so i mean for me when i look at it anytime that it deals with a human that's relationship and that's personal yeah. anytime you have a human contact it's always going to be personal and your interactions, that's your, I call you know, everybody calls it the EQ or the, what's your emotional intelligence like? This is the time when business is personal. Anytime you work with an individual, it is always personal. Now, on the other side of it, when do you need to keep things separate? Um, based on our conversation so far, we talked about finances. We talked about the assets. We talked about liability, which is via insurance. I would add to that list systems, 
systems need to be a little bit different because you have to be more regimented in a business versus a personal life. You can be a little more adaptable and flexible and personal. And then I would also say schedule. Schedule needs to be specific because if you make a promise to a customer and say, hey, I'm going to deliver this product by the end of the month, you need to stick to that schedule. Whereas in a personal life, it's like, look, you're my best friend. There's no way I'm going to make this. Customer may not understand that. So yep. you have to have at least those. And I'm sure, Maria, you've got other things. No, I think there. those are perfect. And I love that you said if you're dealing with people, it needs to be personal because I agree with that. And I think if a lot of people are honest with themselves, you're probably good naturally at one or the other. You know, most of the time you're either naturally good at, you know, dealing with the personal side of things, like you said, emotional intelligence, you know, or you're naturally good at the structural side of it. And I know um, there's a book that I reference a lot called Rocket Fuel, and um, it <laughs> uses the, you know, the terminology, you know, visionary and integrator for the purposes of the book. But it's that same mindset that a lot of times, you know, people that are visionaries are also more people centric, right? They're just yeah. naturally good at dealing with people, but they're not as good with the fine details of the structure, the, you know, of knowing, you know, all the things that needs to happen. Like I said, I have an accountant for a very good reason because I would yeah. not enjoy prison, you know, so he right. keeps everything in line with that. So I think, you know, a lot of times business owners think that they have to be amazingly good at all those things, but you don't you know, figure out what you are naturally good at and hone in on that and then find somebody else to step in that kind of fills in the blanks on the things that you're not great at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so this is, I, I mean, like I said, like you said, you know, we're running kind of run towards the end. I actually think we need to do a secondary podcast specifically on the structure part of it and talk about absolutely. investors and we need to talk about board of directors. So I think that should be a follow-up. Like if this is part one, that might be part two, because that is really, those are really important topics that I think, especially as you get into this S corp type business that you need to be able to consider and understand, because there is this difference of separation because a board is people you have relationships, but there's a little bit of a separation. It's not just a friend group, right? It's just not. So I, I don't want to go too or deep into that. It shouldn't yet. be. Yeah. It shouldn't be a friend group, right? Exactly. It shouldn't be a popularity okay. contest. Um, no. But I've got some specific things that we can talk about uh, on the next one or however that works out, part one, part two kind of a thing. But yeah, there are definitely things that you have to keep separate. There's definitely things that you have to grow into. And there's definitely the structure part of it. And we briefly mentioned just the organizational part with the four different parts, you know, your production, admin, sales, marketing. That's just a simple way to be able to try to break down a business quickly. In your business, look at what you have and how that breaks down. Look at the skill sets that you need to be able to put in, in relationships, in personalities, in talents, and then build on that. But don't feel like you have to do everything yourself. Because just like what Maria just like, there's some things I hate to do. I don't want to do them. And so therefore I delegate or give them away or just drop them on somebody's desk, which is sometimes a challenge as well, but I just don't want to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think that's the key. It's, it's again, you know, honing into your own superpowers. And, you know, as we kind of go through week after week, I would, you know, we're going to discuss a little more in detail on how to still keep it simple, but to be able to, you know, simplify it even more by honing in on the things that you should do and figuring out the things that you should be delegating. So, I, I mean, I love that. I love this conversation. Um, I, I 
happy that we're going to do a follow-up because I do want to talk more about investments and all the all the things, but it's a lot to try yeah. to get in. So I'd say everybody's brain's probably smoking at this point anyway with all the information that yeah, yeah. we kind of laid down. Yeah, it's good story. to divide that out because the investor Absolutely. part of things, angel invest, all kinds of different investors, and setting up a board of directors is really, I, man, so important to do it right the first time because you can really mess things up really Absolutely. quick. So and it's not it's it's not just for small businesses as well. I mean, like I've seen large corporate business mess it up. So yeah, stay in tune with that because we're definitely going to follow up with that. So maybe we just end with this. Instead of saying business, it's nothing personal. It's business. Let's change that. Write this down somewhere. Business is personal because those relationships. Just write that down. Business is personal, and just understand behind that means it's all about the relationships. We're building culture. Yes, there's some things that need to keep separated, but we have to build relationships because it's people. It's people that make our businesses run. Love it. Love it. Well, it's been great, and we will see you in the next episode.